you've stumbled across the honest pod with carrie garcia where my hope is to create a safe space to share stories that foster healing hope and the honesty needed to live free and fully alive and now for this week's episode of the honest pod Okay, guys, we're back. Welcome to the Honest Pod. I am so excited about this episode today. This is a long time coming because I am interviewing who has now become quite a dear friend of mine, whether he wanted to be or not. He, I was forced upon him during when at my stay at the, the Hope Collective here in Chicago, Illinois. It's actually Lake Zurich, Illinois, but we just say Chicago because nobody knows what Lake Zurich is. Anyway... I am very excited to have my friend. His name is Alex Galler, and he is the pastor at our church over spiritual formation, which is just like, we don't really know what that means, but it sounds really cool. So Alex, <laughs> welcome great, right? to the Honest Pod. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for having me on, Carrie. I'm this is so a lot of fun. I'm so excited to be here. I know. I know. We've been working really closely together for two years now. Actually, you guys, Alex and I wrote some curriculum called storyline and it's like a nine week, you know, walk through God's story, your story. And so we've been working really closely together the past two years to get this sucker Mm -hmm. done. And we're, I'm so proud of what we've done. Me too. It's it's been something we've been working on for a while and it's finally coming to like, you know, it's final form and we actually get to share it with people outside the church. It's, it's really exciting. I know it's going to be, it's going to be coming in spring. And here's what's funny is, okay, you guys all know me, all my 11 listeners. We don't have a lot of listeners on here, so it just makes it really mellow for us. There's about 11. We just we just own that. The mighty Great. 11 are we here. We love you, 11. Um, that's right. That's right. And I'm sure there's a lot more, but my mind can only wrap itself around the fact that there's 11 people listening. Any more than that, it's too much pressure. Anyway, the the beauty of this is, Alex and I could not be more different when it comes to our temperament and personalities. You are truly the yen to my yang. I I mean, I've told your wife this, you know this. There has been multiple times I have cried in your office and you just sit there lovingly nodding your head. "Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Thanks for sharing. So kind. So even I'm just so thankful for you. You're you are you are the epitome of what it means to be still and calm and peaceful. Mm-hmm. You are you are this. This is who you are. Well, thank you. Would you Carrie. agree? I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I I have really enjoyed being able to work with you because it it's such like <laughs> complimentary. Like you you think and you care about people in a way that I'm like, oh yeah, you have emotions and a story, and we should probably listen to that. <laughs> And not just talk about what you believe and what you think, but like really what's going on at the heart level. And so I've just really appreciated being able to, you know, collaborate with you and create things that speak to the entire person, not just part of the person. Mm. So, yeah. 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 Oh, man. it's It really has been really good. And you have taught me a lot. You're an Enneagram 5. I think this is important mm-hmm. for people to know. I am an Enneagram 3. Man, 
What a duo. <laughs> it works. And you have helped me so much because it does work. And my son is an Enneagram five. And the amount of times I have come to you going, hmm. what the heck is he thinking? What's going right. on? And you have helped me so, so much. So all that to say is I am just thrilled to have you on here. And I, okay, something is coming on just really quick that's saying verifying OneDrive. And this is okay, Brittany. DJ Brittany is with us today, guys. And that is okay. Okay, great. She's giving me a thumbs up. You never know, guys. We, this, this could all go south and I'll never know because I know nothing about technical things. But what I do know is I know how to pull on some really good people. And today you have someone really great. So like I said, Alex is a pastor of spiritual formation, but here is why I pulled Alex on. Okay. So at our church, Every, what is it, Alex? Every six years, 10 years? I don't even know. You get to go on sabbatical. Every six years, you Mm -hmm. get to go on sabbatical. And that's great. And sabbatical is how many weeks at our church? Six weeks is what we give after six years of full-time ministry. Okay. Which is just so crazy to me. Um, But we're going to talk more about that. So this is what, this is why I wanted to pull Alex on. So if you don't know what sabbatical is, I'm going to let him explain what it is. And I want to talk, I want to, I got to be at, like, have a front row seat to watching this man, like, literally carve out and pave the path for anyone that's considering going on sabbatical. And we're going to talk a little bit, because I know many of you are not in, like, full-time ministry. And so sabbatical if you're in the marketplace or a mom, you're kind of like, well, does this, is this even going to apply to me? Because, but I do believe that sabbatical, yes, this was a predetermined walked through process, but I want to be able to allow us to take chunks of what we're going to learn today and apply this to our lives, whether our sabbatical is a three hour rest or whether it is a six six week break. I think all of what Alex is going to share is going to be applicable to all kinds of different ways of really stepping into rest. And that's what this is, right? So take us down. I just want to kind of start the journey here, Alex, um, of you stepping into sabbatical and kind of like the before that, because you didn't just say goodbye and then you started your six week journey of sabbatical. Like there was some thought into it. So I'm curious, what was that like going into and preparing for, and what were some of the ahas that you discovered the before you even stepped into sabbatical? Yeah, absolutely. So we know, um, you know, as a church for our leadership structure and how we do things that this extended time away was something that the Hope Collective wanted to offer its pastors. So like written even into our bylaws is this policy of like, no, we're going to create this opportunity for our pastors and ministry leaders to take this time away, because that's really what a sabbatical is, is it's just an extended time of rest and restoration so that we can enjoy and tap back into uh, God's presence and his goodness so that when we move forward into the next season of ministry, we move forward closer to God rather than farther away. And so having that time to really just, you know, pause and to press into what does it look like for me to allow God to tend to my soul rather than just, you know, keep running at the pace that I've been running. And I think a lot Mm. of pastors would feel this pressure or ministry leaders of, you know, after six years, I kind of saw this on the horizon. It was like, man, this, 
this very well could be a once in a lifetime opportunity to take this extended mm. time away where the church is supporting it and and all of that. So for me, you know, any Ram five research I'm digging into like, OK, so so what do we do with this? How best practices? How we go about this? All that. Um, and what I found right. was that the majority of resources that are out there are about how to convince your church to give you a sabbatical, not about what to Woo! do once you actually get one, which is uh, wow. kind of sad. Yeah, right? Because there's this sense of like with all the resources out there that pastors are having to advocate for their own well-being to their own church boards and elder boards. And I'm blessed to be part of a mm. church where that just it – was, it wasn't even a question. It was like, yeah, we're going to do this for you. And you get to decide what this is going to look like. And so mm. the being on this side of my sabbatical, um, I'm about three months uh, out from when I returned back to the office. I'm just convinced more and more that sabbatical really? is really. Yeah, it's been about three months, Carrie. Can you believe that? This summer no, was I crazy. Just can't. I feel like. Yeah, I feel like you just got back. That's wild. Right? Okay, before you continue on, I I just I just want you all to hear what Alex just said. That he went into research what how can he get the most out of this time of rest? And he wanted to learn from people that had gone ahead of him to give him wisdom and insight on how to really embrace what was what, what he was could expect, how can he get the most out of it? And the majority of research he found had nothing to do with what he could do and should do and advise to do on his sabbatical, but more how to convince your church that you need one. And I just feel like you all need to hear this. This is not just a ministry thing. This is a cultural thing that yes. the idea of rest is so far from our, our way of thinking that we feel guilty around it. We feel like we have to convince mm -hmm. people to do it. And yet it mm -hmm. is literally within God's law to yeah. rest. Like this is a part of you want to become like me. You want to live in the process of your sanctification and to become more like Christ. You must rest. And yet this is a convincing. So I just think this is crazy. And yet so telling of where we are as a society, as a church, as a people group. And so here you are, you discover this, like there's not a lot out for you. So you're going to have to pave your own way. You're going to have to figure out how can I get the most out of what I'm about to step into? So tell us a little mm -hmm. bit about what that was like moving into it. Yeah. So there were, you know, a handful of resources that I was able to find and really, really pressed into them. I called and reached out to folks that I knew had gone on sabbatical before to learn from them and try to glean as much as I could. And I, the ironic thing about going on a sabbatical is that it takes more work to take time away to rest than it does if you just if you just kept plowing through. So it's almost like preparing for <laughs> sabbatical became this this, you know, this goal or this project as with everything else that mm. I would be doing. Like, you know, if you're planning a sermon series or you're building a volunteer team, you're also preparing for your sabbatical. And that happens, you know, mm. kind of on a personal level. I knew that there was personal work that I would need to do. It had to happen at a team level as well, because, you know, a, a sabbatical is different than a vacation. For a vacation, 
you take a week or two away, you can pause your responsibilities, you come back in, you pick them up. But going away for mm. an extended time like this, ministry needs to continue to happen without you in the mix. And so your responsibilities and the things that you're doing on a regular basis need to have somebody delegated to them who's trained to respond. And so there's a team preparation that happened, had to happen with that as well. And then you also just got to prepare your church because if you're, you know, someone that either the church hears from on a regular basis or they just recognize your face mm. because you're on staff, they're going to notice that you're gone. So how can you prepare them for your absence and for this time away? Um, so kind of on that personal level, taking time in that six months prior to sabbatical to really start to think through what are my expectations and desires for this time away beyond mm. I just want to stop because that may get you through the first like two weeks. And we all, we, we, here's the mm. thing is we crave that rest and that slowing down so much that it's really just at the forefront of our thinking. And it's almost like we're so starved for rest that once it's given to us, we just want to like gorge on it, but then we don't know what to do wow. after that. So after that first two weeks yeah. of rest, it's like, okay, no, you got to have a plan. You got to have some other things that you want to pursue, or you're just going to fall back into the same patterns of work and pace and speed that you've been working at. Mm. So I knew that we'd have to have some things planned. Uh, so I was able to find some resources and connect with uh, retreat organizations and opportunities that are specifically designed for pastors and ministry leaders. To just take time away. So Renee and I found, um, Renee's my wife, we found a uh, week-long Sabbath retreat through an organization called Broomtree Ministries. We planned some family vacations mm -hmm. together because we wanted our sabbatical to be a mix, not just of personal, reflective, like restorative time as individuals, but also just good time together as a family. We were never going to get an opportunity mm -hmm. like this again um, with our kids at this age and mm -hmm. the opportunity that we have. We have a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 6-year-old. And so we wanted to make memories mm -hmm. together. We wanted to share that time. Um, and I think one of the biggest things that we did to prepare for our sabbatical and our extended time away was to keep our practice of a weekly Sabbath. And there's a weird, like, mm. there's a weird thing. There's a way of thinking about your sabbatical as a, you're essentially doing a marathon of rest. And if you don't already have <laughs> the practices and the habits and the preparation to do that, you're going to try to run this marathon and you're actually, you may end up doing more harm than good to yourself because you don't know how to not work because of the pace that you've lived at. And wow. all of a sudden you slam on the brakes and you don't know what to do with yourself. And so one of the things that wow. we're just so glad we did is have this practice of a weekly Sabbath where, you know, we already have the practice of, of turning off your phone, of saying no, of living at a mm -hmm. slower pace for at least a day. And that kind of preparation, mm -hmm. that personal practice of rest really set us up for this extended time away of rest. And so whether, you know, for your listeners, whether that's something that you already have uh, in place with a weekly Sabbath or whether that's just something of like, you know, I can carve out two hours this week to practice rest. That practice of being in a habit of rest is actually one of the most important things you do to prepare yourself for an extended time away. So that's kind of the okay, prep I that happened on there. the personal side. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I want to pause you there because we're going to move because I think the majority of people that listen here are going to are going to pause when they hear this thought that you have Sabbath once a week. 
I'm going to assume, and I don't mean to be judgy, but I'm going to assume that most people do not practice Sabbath once a week. And I don't mean that in a judgment mm-hmm. way. I truly just mean, I think that's the truth. I think statistically right. that's the truth. And so I, before we jump into what your experience was like during it, would you just for a few moments, can you just give us a little bit of a rundown, like a cliff notes practical, if someone is considering, okay, Alex, I can't take six weeks off. There's just like, I work, you know, I work at Apple. They're not going to let me take six weeks off. Right. But I do want to start stepping into some of these practice practices that are biblical. What is like, like, what does Sabbath look like for you? What is that even, what does that even look like for you and your family? Yeah. So we always talk about Sabbath as a, um, it is an intentional time to enjoy God, one another, and his good gifts. And I think sometimes when people mm. think of the idea Sabbath and like the day of the Lord and taking this time and dedicating that time. It's like, well, do you just have to like pray all day and like read your Bible and all that? (laughs) When really, like when we think about the rhythm that God established in the first chapters of Genesis, this seventh day of rest, God created this entire world of goodness and then set aside an entire day just to delight and enjoy it. And so for our Sabbath uh, Mm. times, that's what we focus on is what does it look like for us to enjoy God's presence, to enjoy one another, to enjoy, you know, good food and good time together. And that's what we prioritize. And so the day before um, we have kind of this opening ritual that we do where we light a candle, we talk about what happened during the week that we're celebrating because it's coming at the end of six days of work. And so we celebrate the work that we got to do, and then we just kind of remind ourselves of why we do this. We do this because it's an invitation from God to set aside time to enjoy him, to set aside time to enjoy one another. And so uh, we have this mm-hmm. this time together, and then the whole rest of the next day is, you know, we make good food and good coffee and just take things slow and play games together. And, you know, I'll watch the kids while Renee gets some time away just to, you know, go for a walk or spend time with Jesus and then she'll do the same for me and I'll, I'll nap and I'll read and then we'll come back together for dinner and then we'll talk about the day and all the things that we got to enjoy. And so this idea of like prioritizing delight in God, in one another, that I feel like is the missing piece for this idea of Sabbath, because if we're not careful, Sabbath becomes like another to do where it's like, no, you can't do all the things that you've been doing. It's like, well, what do I do then? Well, what if you just spend an entire day mm. focusing on what does it look like for me to enjoy God's presence, to enjoy life, to enjoy the people I love, and to be able to share that uh, with them, not because mm. I've earned it. And I think that's a really important thing as well. Rest isn't a gift we give ourselves. Rest is a gift that God gives us and invites us into. And so what does it look like for me to receive this gift? Yeah. What does it look like for me to receive this gift from God and really just savor it? And, and, you know, this sounds very idyllic and very like, oh my gosh, that sounds great. And there are days when it's just a train wreck and uh, I've yelled at all the other four people in my family and I'm getting to the end of it feeling way more stressed and exhausted than I, than I was going into it. And that's why just the rhythm and the practice to think about Sabbath as a practice you're going to get it wrong, mm. but you, 
then in seven days, you're going to have another opportunity. You're going to get to practice again. And so to have this idea of like, Mm. no, this is something that we've committed to. This is a rhythm that we live in. It's very liberating because it gives you the freedom to not have to do it perfectly. Um, So that's kind of the overview of what Sabbath looks like for us is prioritizing delight in God and each other. Prioritizing delight and God and each other. And I think there's an aspect of that too, is just delighting in the earth. Like there's just something about the, the earth that we, we don't pause to see. And you're, you're really like, I mean, this is a discipline. This is, I think it's easier to work and it's easier to keep your phone on, check your emails. It is harder and counter, almost like counterintuitive at first. I think then it begins to be more intuitive, but counterintuitive and countercultural in a way I think people, and I know this to be true because I've worked with you, uh, that there are people, well-meaning people that kind of have that like, oh, okay, Alex, you're going to take your Sabbath time. We're all working hard over here. And you're right. And there's a little bit of like, do you know what I mean? Like there's a little bit of like a feeling of I'm not working enough or hard enough because I'm taking this. And yet this is where it comes down to. I I am here to honor God and to please God. And this is a mandate from God. This is not an option. This isn't a good idea. This isn't like, hey, this would be fun for you. This is a a command from God to rest. And so you are going to have to fight the countercultural you know, the cultural response to, to you actually taking a break, both from your bosses, from your friends, from your coworkers, you know, from your own body that often will say, I just have too much to do to rest. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure that there has been times where that had, that discipline has been really hard to mm-hmm. implement. And yet what I know about you is you've stayed pretty committed to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, there's one, there's one aspect of Sabbath that is we keep it because it is a commandment. Like I, it always strikes me that the command to take a day off made it into the 10 commandments, like right up there with don't kill people <laughs> and, and only worship God. <laughs> like monotheism is in the same realm as taking a day off in God's perspective, which is just crazy to me. Um, But there's this command aspect of it. And then also like we keep it because it has become such a source of life to us as we've practiced this. Mm. It's been years that we've been in it. Now we, there've been weeks where we've, we've missed it and we're weeks where we've chose to deprioritize it and we've felt it and we look back on on our week and we're like oh my gosh this has made such a difference to have it or not have this practice and so you know at at this point we're not keeping it because well god said we should and so we should but mm-hmm. it's just become such a source of life and and goodness for us that it's like man we don't want to not keep this practice 
Well, and that's what's beautiful. I mean, the Ten Commandments aren't there to ruin your life. The Ten Cam- Commandments right. are there because he's like, hey, this is like a guardrail for a, a guardrail and a guide for living a life that's fully alive. Like, you know, yes. to worship God with all your heart. Monotheism is to say this is going to tend and care to your heart. Not killing people is a really good idea if you want to live <laughs> a joy-filled life. But then also, you know, and covetousness, all the thing is like, all these things are, are ways that God's going, this isn't about condemnation and oppression. These are the things because I created you. I know how your finite human body works. And these Mm -hmm. are the ways in which you are going to experience not just freedom, but living free and fully alive, like this fully alive life and rest is part of that. So here you've been doing Sabbath. This is something, you know, and like, like I said, guys, like he gave us the cliff notes. And if you heard it, it's not that hard. Like, it's not about like, you know, I've got to do this and then do this. And then, you know, I've got to make sure I'm reading my Bible all day. And it's turn off the outside world of the demand of the outside world and engage in the desire and the beauty of the people God has given you and the earth in which he has made for you. This is what he's Mm. talking about. It's good food, good conversation and, and enjoying good life. Okay. So this is this, it's not that hard in what you have to quote unquote do. It's more, will you choose the discipline? And so here, Alex has been doing this sabbatical. This is something he's a little bit prepared for. And this is a great place where you guys can start, but now or Sabbath, but now you've done some, you're going into sabbatical and this is basically Sabbath on crack. Yes, essentially. Yep. That's a great way of putting it. (laughs) We're just going to crack this thing up. We're going to ramp it up (laughs) and we are really going to, because there is an intentionality around Sabbath and that one day there is an intentionality of what we are going to engage in and what we're not going to engage in. And so you really wanted to break down what's going to happen during the Sabbath, because if I don't go into intentionality, then I just, I'm just going to be prone to whatever, you know, I feel in the moment and I'm not going to really come out on the other side, really have engaging what God might have for me in this time. So I'm curious, those first couple of weeks, tell me about the first couple of weeks as you started to engage this time of Sabbath, six weeks off. Yes, absolutely. So we, um, with our six week off, we added two weeks of our vacation time as a family. So the church gives a vacation time as well. So we just bundled it up into this whole like eight week experience. Um, the first Love week, it. the week before I started sabbatical, I made it a week of half days where all of my delegation had been done where, where everybody's has what they need. And that's really to get myself used to being gone and to get my team used to me being gone. And so went in for a week Mm. and a half days that first week. And then the first two weeks of my actual sabbatical, I did not plan really anything because this whole like off ramp analogy is, you know, if you're, if you're buzzing down the highway, you don't immediately slam on the brakes and take a a right turn to get on a new road. Because if you do that, it's not going to be good Mm. for you. It's not going to be good for the people around you. You have to take this, this off ramp time to gradually slow down and adopt a new pace. And so I knew in those first two weeks, mm. it was something that we would need to, as a family, gradually slow down into. And so I didn't plan any huge, like, hey, here's the things that we're going to do. And my my day is going to look like this. 
I knew that there were self-care things that I would need to keep doing. So stayed physically active. Uh, I made it my goal over sabbatical to get as many nights of eight hours of sleep as I could. Um, and then mm -hmm. that first week was really uh, my wife started to call it old dog mode because I was just wandering around the house looking for places to nap. And that was just like my <laughs> body was just so ready for this time and didn't didn't want to plan or do or whatever. And so to just give myself the freedom to like, okay, I'm napping on the couch and I'm napping in our room. Now I'm napping outside and just give myself the chance to rest in all of that. And then mm -hmm. the second thing, the second week of our sabbatical was the time that we had away for our uh, retreat with Broomtree. And man, in, it's an incredible organization. They put on these week-long retreats for free for pastors and ministry leaders to just come and rest and be with Jesus, be with their spouse, eat good food, and just be taken care of. Um, it was There's organizations like this all over the country. I just discovered them as I'm going into sabbatical. But we had that time away. Mm. And for that first three days of the retreat, it was more just like, I'm just sleeping, I'm eating and and spending time with my wife. And to be with a group of people where, you know, we would get together for dinner and I would share with them, like, I, guys, I haven't been doing much except like sleeping and eating. And they were like, Alex, you are crushing it. You are doing a great job at this. And I'm like, all right, cool. These are my these are my people. Um, I, I know. I mean, think about that, though, Alex. For two weeks, pretty much, you slept. And the reality yeah. of that, the reality of that is that that's how tired your body was. That you have been running so hard and at, and at such a hard pace. And I would say that this is true for the majority of us. We just don't know that you, yeah. your body basically went into a coma. This is like for two weeks because yeah. it literally had to repair. Yes. Like, cause when we are asleep, the body is actively working when we're asleep and it's actively working to repair and take our bodies, our nervous system back to homeostasis. This is why sleep is so important. Mm -hmm. And this is why yep. many psychologists, doctors will say, if you want to improve your mental health and the state of the health of your body, you have to get sleep. Like sleep is important sleep. because sleep is essential to the body regulating itself and the nervous system healing. And so here your body knows that it knows it knows it's going like every something in their brain the receptors in your brain are now telling your body we actually have permission to basically mm -hmm. power down and exactly and it, it did what it needed to do but I was blown away when you came back and you said Carrie I pretty much slept for a solid week and a half and I was like your body went into a coma it went into it mm -hmm. only awaked awoken to eat, to get its basic nutrients so that it continue, could continue to do the work of repair internally that six straight years of solid working had wreaked havoc upon. That's wild to me. Right. Wild. Yeah. And uh, also such and, a beautiful and, testimony. Yeah. And it was such a reflecting on that time. Like there's something you know, when we look at uh, Elijah and we have the story of Elijah under the broom tree and how the mm -hmm. two ways that God or three ways, actually three ways that God met with him there was he gave him sleep, he gave him food and he gave him his presence. 
And there's something about this idea of, especially in, I think when we think about self-care and, you know, prioritizing the the health of our soul and all of that, there's a temptation for us to kind of slip into this um, gospel of wellness management. And we are the ones who are in charge mm. of our own, our own well-being. And so it's all about what we can do. And so, you know, you do your physical exercise, you do your devotions, you do your whatever, you go to your counselor. And those are really, really good and positive things. But there's something beautiful about just the very simple, very human activities of rest and food, because mm. in both of those situations, there is something outside of us, something that we can't do that is caring for us in those moments. Like sleep is about what I can't do. I have to shut down. I'm fine. Wow. I have to rest. And God created us to rest. He created us to not be like him in that way. And so when we sleep, God is actually mm -hmm. tending to us through the design in which we've been created. And food is this reminder that we have to rely on something outside of ourselves in order to live. I can't just go without yeah. eating. Like there, I have to look to something outside of myself for a source of life. And so both of these ideas, like there's something very powerful theologically, psychologically that happens when we engage with these rhythms and really prioritize like, no, my life isn't about you know, getting less sleep so I can be more productive. I'm actually going to accomplish more by doing less and allowing God to care for my soul in these very human practices of sleep and decent food. It's crazy. Oh man, guys, already this has been so good. Just honestly, for me to hear, Alex has so much more to share that I wanted to move this into a part two because I really want you guys to have a chance to be able to really sit in this first part and really take in what was happening for him, his lead up into this, and even really this idea around sabbatical, like how often do you pause and rest? So we wanted to break this into two parts so that you could really kind of, like I said, digest this and be able to take it in. I'm excited for you guys to hear what's going to be coming up because I know the story. I know where God brought him. I know the twists and the turns and the outcome of what he's experienced. I can't wait for you to hear more next week. We are so thankful for the talented Tanya Godsey offering her amazing music with us. You can find Tanya on Spotify and other streaming platforms. And hey, we would love to answer any questions you may have for us right here on the show. So you can send us those questions to hello at thehonestpodcast.com. And as always, thank you for letting us share about the not so easy stories that make us and entering into the honesty and courage it takes to love who you were created to be. So until the next time, friends, may God's love and kindness be an offering to your heart, both now and always. Oh.